Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day as we kick off a new week this last week of June. Wow, and as we have said so many times starting a new week, what a weather weekend it was. Some places, heavy rains again. Kansas got both heavy rains and in some places hail, a lot of damage to their wheat crop. We'll be getting a report on that uh, on tomorrow's program. But uh, maybe this is the week that uh, we finally start getting more into a somewhat normal summertime pattern. We'll talk about that in a bit with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Also coming up today, we'll talk about those crop conditions and the markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. And we're going to talk about the dairy industry. Peter Vitaliano, the chief economist for the National Milk Producers Federation, will join us. We'll talk about uh, the dairy margin coverage program, sign up underway for that. And we'll also talk about the importance to the dairy industry of moving up that date for grazing and haying uh, those prevent plant acres from November 1 to September 1. Uh, we'll take a look at that, to why that's so important to uh, dairy producers. So all that coming up on today's program as we kick off a week that will no doubt have a lot of discussion, a lot of attention later this week on the G20 meeting. Let's talk it over with Spencer Chase with AgriPulse Communications. Spencer, thanks for joining us. A lot of hopes pinned on uh, these meetings this week. Right, and a lot of hopes pinned on a lot of different directions, too, because keep in mind, you know, the president announced last week that he was planning on meeting with uh, President Xi Jinping of China at this upcoming G20 meeting. But also keep in mind there's going to be some sideline negotiations between uh, U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and his Japanese counterpart about potentially moving along a deal in uh, in that country as well. So I know China is going to catch a lot of the headlines, but for agriculture, another you know another big deal to watch this week is going to be how those talks uh, come out. Uh, you know what what results from those talks with Japan? Yeah, I guess no one really expects, hopes for, but no one expects deals to be signed this week. But right. hopefully, we get good, inf- you know, a good feeling coming out of here, and they they agree to keep talking, and maybe there'll be some signs that we're getting closer. Right, because the China talks, you know, publicly at least, have have basically stalled at this point. And a lot of people see the, you know, this upcoming G20 summit as, you know, something that could potentially get those talks going again, you know, potentially, you know, begin talks at the ministerial level once again before they, you know, potentially get back up to the administrative level to finish things off. And so this is going to be a big week in in the grand scheme of agricultural trade. Everyone will be reading between the lines and, you know, diet, you know, dissecting every word that comes out and is it positive is it negative yeah (laughs) Yeah. so that'll be going on this week meanwhile what's happening with g20 what's happening with usmca any momentum there so last week we saw u.s trade representative lighthizer uh on the hill not once but twice uh, meeting before both the house and the senate and in the house we saw something interesting we saw house speaker nancy pelosi uh, appoint this working group of house democrats to work with uh, USTR on some of the issues that Democrats have on things like labor, environment, enforcement. And so the thinking there is if he sits down, if the Lighthizer sits down with his working group, he'll be able to iron out some of the issues a little bit more quickly than if he was trying to go member by member. And so this working group, uh, they expect to meet with Lighthizer, at least they hope to, at some point on the early end of this week. And so, you know, I don't think they're, uh, to your point earlier, nobody's really expecting a deal to be announced with great fanfare out of that. But uh, something that uh, Lighthizer said last week is that, you know, he's very confident in his negotiating ability and also just how close they are to coming up to some kind of a resolution on this. I mean, he says, if I could sit down and just talk to you guys, we could have this ironed out in half a day. Well, he's, he's going to have that opportunity. Wow, what a concept. Sit down face-to-face, discuss issues, and work out a, a deal. That would that, be a novel approach to things it, in Washington. It would be a novel approach. Quite frankly, I'm not even sure how we would cover it. I mean, there's no precedent for something <laughs> like that. Not in recent times, anyway. <laughs> Meanwhile, there are, there are some members of Congress, though, saying they don't see a vote before the August recess. Is that what you're hearing? That we're hearing a lot of that too. Um, you know, it's, it's just because there's a lot of things that uh, that the House and Senate need to get done 
Also, you know, I, I have long said the most influential man in Washington is the statue of Ronald Reagan at the airport. A lot of folks are just going to want to get home when it comes to the end of July. And so, you know, putting in USMCA before that August recess, I mean, that's going to be a huge, a huge political hurdle. It's also something that's going to take up, you know, quite a bit of legislative oxygen in Washington. And, you know, oxygen that maybe House Democrats aren't willing to spare. Uh, but I think, you know, we hear quite a bit about, you know, there's potential for the votes to be there on this deal. But a lot of folks are thinking it's going to come down to, you know, if and when this gets put on the floor. And a lot of folks are thinking and telling us that they're anticipating this is something that might be better suited for a fall vote. All right. So what's going on with the, the various spending bills that are being proposed? So the House Democrats put together a bunch of spending bills kind of into one sort of unblock vote. And so they're going to vote here today on one that would fund USDA, FDA, EPA, Interior, and the, and the like, you know, some of those agencies very important to agriculture. And they're, they're expected to vote on that today. You know, the Democratic leadership is putting it up. I, I think it's a good bet that it'll pass. But, uh, you know, a lot, of these mess, a lot of these spending bills right now are simply messenger bills because Congress and the administration have not really agreed on a budget. So there's no spending caps. There's no like hard. There's no hard limit on what can be spent. And so right now, a lot of the appropriations measures that are going through the House, you know, the, the Senate hasn't really even started on the process yet. And so uh, you know, we're guessing we're going to see some more negotiations down the road on that. But really, House Democrats are doing uh, doing a lot of messaging with what their spending priorities are and what the what the things that they see as being important through these spending bills. Meanwhile, Spencer, a, a story that's out now, and here we are. We've been talking about the controversy of moving research agencies from Washington, D.C. to Kansas City. Now a story out saying that the administration, especially USDA, has been burying uh, research about uh, climate change. Right, and so that's a story that was in Politico here this morning. Something that they're, uh, they're reporting and suggesting is that the administration is taking these scientific studies and maybe not giving them the, uh, the public due that they, uh, that they were necessary, you know, that they had deserved. And so, you know, the Department of Agriculture kind of, you know, fighting back against that, saying, you know, we've got 100,000-some-odd employees, a lot of research being done, not everything uh, warrants a press release. But some of the things that, uh, that were not being publicized necessarily, you know, they're, they're available for public consumption, but you've got to kind of work hard to find them sometimes. There's, uh, you know, especially an important study on rice and rising carbon levels and what that might do to the nutritional value of the crop. And, you know, anyone that's traveled internationally, as, as you and I have, Mike, will know that rice is an incredibly important staple crop in some some of these developing countries around the world well it should be another interesting week uh, thanks for the update uh, spencer and we'll stay in touch thank you thank you mike good to talk with you spencer chase with agripulse communications so a lot to watch this week a lot of the focus will be later in the week on the g20 meetings uh, will anything positive come out between the u.s and japan meanwhile right here at home we're watching those um you know, the debates and the talks going on in Washington, D.C. concerning USMCA. Later today, we'll get crop uh, progress, uh, planning condition, you know, crop condition numbers, and a lot of people already saying, wow, they're already way out of date. Well, especially with the, uh, the weekend weather that we had in places, a lot of issues, a lot of heavy rains in some places, hail in other places. We have a lot to talk about with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Is it better the week ahead? We'll have his forecast next here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Soybean growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee so you can have true peace of mind. And you can tap into our expanded Grow Smart Rewards program and get cash back. Go all in today at IngeniaHerbicide.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, prevent plant acres have dominated conversation this year. So many questions around them, some tough decisions have had to be made, and uh, there's still tough decisions and questions out there. Let's talk about it with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Scott, it seems like uh, 
the further along this year we go, the more questions we have on on some of these planting decisions and what can be done with some of these acres and how to take care of them and what are the options. Well, we really are into uncharted territory, Mike, as far as the magnitude of prevent planting. You know, at this time of year, uh, our crop production specialists are usually talking about, you know, how to manage the growing crop, uh, not what to do with prevent plant acres. As I understand it, you can uh, actually plant corn or soybeans as a cover crop, uh, so long as you don't harvest it for grain. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Want to reduce your risk of heart disease, diabetes, and stroke? Simple. Eat right. This is registered dietitian nutritionist Melissa Dobbins. A healthy diet can mean a healthier you. So eat a variety of proteins each week. Seafood, lean meat, poultry, beans, and nuts. Fill half your plate with fruits and vegetables at every meal. Choose foods that are lower in calories, fat, and sodium. Limit your alcohol and maintain a healthy weight. Let a registered dietitian nutritionist help you achieve your goals. Find one near you at eatright.org. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Head to toe, everything's changed. Head to toe. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's talk it over with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, I was thinking this morning, how many times... Over the last couple of months, we started the week off with our visits talking about a rough weekend of weather, and, well, we've had another one this past weekend. There was, uh, for sure, Mike, particularly in uh, parts of uh, western Nebraska, Kansas and Missouri uh, got hit with uh, very heavy rain and uh, a new round of flooding, and then in uh, some of the wheat fields in uh, Kansas and Nebraska, there was also uh, damaging hail. Uh, It's hard to to quantify uh, right now exactly the extent of hail damage, but we know that uh, for individuals, for growers who were uh, who who were hit by that, that that it's uh, it's you know catastrophic, uh, particularly with this kind of a year that we're in. And uh, as far as the flooding is concerned, uh, you just have uh, more uh, you know more loss. Uh, probably there was. Uh, a fair amount of uh, of uh, crop area that that had gotten planted planted late, but now got uh, you know got hit with uh, high water and flooding, and who knows you know how that's going to fare. So it's uh, just ongoing, and we are going to uh, have a pattern change in the upper atmosphere to finally quiet things down for this week. But it's uh, it's really quite noteworthy that we are. Uh, into the last uh, week of June before this uh, trend finally acted like it's uh, playing itself out. So it's been very remarkable, um, the, the uh, duration of this, uh, of this very stormy season that we've had. I mean, basically all the way through uh, 
through the spring season, uh, actually began late winter, lasted all spring, and uh, is not kind of starting to, um, to modify until we get into the first week of summer. Uh, that's been a, uh, just a momentous uh, uh, scenario that we've had to endure. Yeah, the hits have just kept on coming. And as you pointed out, uh, you know, we've struggled so much and talked so much this spring about getting crops planted. But now some of those that have been planted, as you mentioned, are getting washed out. And we have the hail situation in in wheat areas. Uh, You throw in some tornado activity here or there, and it's just been one thing after another. Yes, it has. Uh, The, the, uh, you know, the impact is still being felt. I mean, um, you know, we, we saw over the weekend, uh, you know, new concerns raised regarding um, crop insurance uh, eligibility for some areas where it's flooded so badly that uh, growers have not been able to plant. Uh, that got raised last uh, week uh, during a meeting in uh, Washington. Uh, there are still communities uh, in flooded areas where the uh, water system has not gotten restarted uh, because of flood damage. Uh, there's ongoing road uh, issues, and uh, there are still quite likely, uh, you know, a number of roads that are uh, impassable because of flooding. Uh, there's uh, the acreage loss that is still to be quantified. I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're likely still too low on the official numbers, uh, however they turn out to be. And, uh, you know, something that has, uh, has not gotten talked about a great deal uh, but we know that it's uh, going to be affected is uh, the the problems that uh, we're having in the transportation uh, channels because the Mississippi is still basically unavailable uh, for shipping uh, because of uh, the of the high water that uh, you know that is uh, still in effect. Uh, the uh, river at St. Louis is uh, still rising, I think, uh, not falling yet. And uh, there had been hopes that the barge system would be able to restart at least a little bit last week, but that's been uh, put off, uh, deferred, again, because uh, of this ongoing uh, high water situation. So it, it's, uh, it's just uh, an industry-wide calamity uh, that we are putting up with this year, and uh, it's not over yet. But I look, I'm in west-central Illinois, and I look at our forecast here, and for the first time, seems like in months, I see several days in a row without rain in the forecast. Now, how widespread is that good news? Well, it is better news. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I, I made the comment on, uh, on my video this morning uh, on our DTN Market Weather Impact video that, that uh, the Midwest uh, rain prospect was the lightest that I had seen all spring. Uh, we are going to have uh, a little bit more variability uh, with much of the, um, you know, much of the central uh, part of the Midwest having rainfall that's going to be in the range of maybe a quarter to a half an inch total this week, and that's going to be obviously a big change from what we've had um, over the Great Lakes. It's going to be uh, more um, prone to. Uh, getting some locally heavy amounts, so there still could be several uh, locations that get over an inch of rainfall. And then uh, the uh, heaviest prospect this week is more in the delta uh, with uh, one to two locally heavier uh, total uh, rainfall amounts in terms of inches. Uh, the the uh, situation in you know the south-central plains and into the south-central Midwest is going to kind of tail off after this a uh, tremendous round of rainfall they got this weekend. And then over the uh, northern part of the country, uh, North Dakota, north into the Canadian prairies, that's where the storm track is going to focus uh, with the weather pattern change to upper air high pressure over the interior of the country. And so actually in the Canadian prairies and then into the uh, northern part of North Dakota, where it's been recently dry, uh, there will be... Um, I'd, I'd say light to moderate rainfall, maybe uh, three-tenths to an inch and a half, maybe locally heavier on rainfall this week. So that's where the uh, main action is going to be. Uh, but over the interior of the country, uh, where, the, where the storm track just uh, kept setting up for so many weeks, finally uh, things are starting to calm down. And is it going to, temperature-wise, will it feel more like summer this week? 
it will, fortunately, with that high pressure building, we're going to have temperatures that are going to be um, into the mid to upper 80s and even the lower 90s uh, during this week over much of the uh, central U.S., and uh, that's obviously going to help out uh, with uh, getting crops along. I mean, we might even actually see some corn uh, in some of the uh, you know most delayed areas that does make it to knee high by the Fourth of July. And you know that that had been a cliche and you know kind of a an on running gag for so many years. But this year, that that true truly is a measurement that we might actually see, and no more than in some of the um, farthest behind areas. Uh, but uh, this coming uh, week's uh, temperature trend is certainly going to be uh, useful and, and very welcome kind of across the board. So is this just a brief relief this week, or are we starting a trend towards summer-like weather now? It's, uh, it's I think, uh, a scenario that is going to be taken on an, on an every 10-day to two-week uh, basis, uh, quite frankly. Um, the, the concern is that uh, there's enough uh, excess moisture, if you will, across the entire central part of the country that it's going to be difficult to uh, build a, a real solid area of, of uh, warmer conditions for a sustained period of time. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, the the uh, official predictions that came out last week for July temperatures to be below normal uh, certainly were, re- were received with uh, a lot of concern uh, just about everywhere. And that's going to be a, kind of in the back, uh, back of everyone's mind because we are way behind on growing degree day numbers. And, uh, you know, we need to have every uh, type of, uh, of uh, seasonal unit that we can get in order to uh, help things move along. And, uh, you know, even at the end of the season, there is concern that a normal – uh, fall first occurrence of freezing temperatures would still be too early for a lot of crops. Yeah, that'll be our watch before long. I mean, it's already in the back of our minds, uh, but uh, that'll be something we'll watch even more closely this year than usual. It, it, it really will. Um, I was on a conference call last week uh, with uh, that on the uh, monthly report, the monthly climate report that uh, NOAA puts out, and uh, this was for the north-central uh, region of the country that takes in uh, quite a bit of the uh, Corn Belt and uh, much of the winter wheat country and uh, spring wheat country as well. And um, one of the speakers, and I, I'm, I'm okay with quoting him because uh, he made this comment in a public venue, Dennis Toddy, who is the director of the Midwest Climate Hub at Ames, in Ames, Iowa, um, was uh, asked a question about what do you think regarding the first occurrence of frost in the fall season, and Dennis said, don't even ask me about uh, mm. freezing temperatures. Don't even mention it. So there's, you know, that just kind of illustrates how right. concerned everybody is. All right, Bryce, thanks a lot. Thanks for the update. You're welcome, Mike. Take care. Concern for sure. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson joining us here on AOA. Soybean growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee so you can have true peace of mind. And you can tap into our expanded Grow Smart Rewards program and get cash back. Go all in today at IngeniaHerbicide.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. If you suffer from heartburn or other digestive-related disorders, then there is a new, safe, better, and natural alternative to better digestive wellness and heartburn relief. Praxid not only provides relief of heartburn, but Praxid takes a 360-degree approach to support better digestion, protect you from harmful bacteria, and also balance your stomach to improve digestive functions. We like to think of it as the multivitamin of digestive health. It's the only product to combine all natural ingredients known for the digestive health properties into a single patented product. Praxid also comes in easy-to-carry packs. 
Praxid relieves, restores, and maintains a healthy digestive system. Praxid is available here for only $39.95. Shipping and handling is free, and your money back is guaranteed. To take advantage of this special radio offer, call now, 1-800-829-5705. That's 1-800-829-5705. Again, 1-800-829-5705. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. President Trump said the Federal Reserve doesn't know what it's doing in a pair of tweets on Monday after the bank opted not to cut interest rates during its two-day meeting last week. Mr. Trump has repeatedly called for the Fed to cut its benchmark rate. Grain futures rising early on Monday as traders position ahead of Friday's crop acreage report as well as the G20 summit in Japan. Traders keenly watching for Friday's planted acreage numbers from USDA. But that report based on planting intentions on June 1st. As we all know, the intentions on June 1st were not anything like what actually happened in June. Hot and dry weather in Europe is expected to impact Eastern European and Black Sea wheat crops. Continental Europe bracing for a heat wave this week. Wheat futures an hour into the day on Monday. Positive territory. Chicago wheat July up six and three quarters at five thirty-two and three quarters. Kansas City wheat July up eight at four sixty. Minneapolis spring wheat July up two and three quarters at five thirty-eight and three quarters. September new crop at five forty-seven and a quarter up three and a quarter. July corn up two and a quarter at four forty-four and a half. December up three at four fifty-six and a half. July soybeans up three at nine oh five and three quarters. November nine twenty-nine and three quarters up two and a quarter. Livestock of the Merck, August live cattle futures up twenty cents at one oh two forty-two. August feeder cattle down seventy-two, one thirty-two ninety-five. Lean hog futures, the August contract down a buck and a half at seventy-six thirty-seven. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow up sixty-six, S P up three, August crude oil. At 57.42 a barrel, near unchanged. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. So hopefully this will be a better week ahead weather-wise. We'll be watching uh, those uh, numbers from USDA today on, you know, the weekly numbers. But already most are saying that uh, they're out of date before we even get them. But oh, we'll look at them. Markets will probably react to them, and uh, we'll get the more reaction on that. Uh, tomorrow. Also coming up tomorrow, by the way, I mentioned this earlier, but we are going to get a report on damage in Kansas to their wheat crop. A lot of rain, a lot of hail uh, hitting there over the weekend, so a lot of damage. As they get those assessments in, we'll have a report tomorrow talking with the uh, Kansas wheat growers. Keeping you up to date on that African swine fever situation in China and Southeast Asia, China has now banned pig imports from Laos as uh, that country now reporting its first outbreak of African swine fever. And uh, that, that disease continues to spread in Southeast Asia. Efforts continue to keep it out of the United States. But uh, as it 
spreads to yet another country, the concern level has to continue to increase uh, as obviously the efforts in Southeast Asia, China in particular, have not been successful in uh, stopping the spread of the disease. We talked earlier about uh, USMCA. They'll continue to talk about that. Some important meetings this week that hopefully will move that forward. And then, of course, uh, the big meetings later this week uh, at the G20 meetings in Japan as we hope to get good news both on the front with China, talks there, and with Japan. So there's just so much on the line with both of those countries. And we need some much need, you know, just much needed positive news on the trade front. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that. Also, the controversy continues over, you know, we talked about this uh, recently. There are those who are saying that the reason the administration wants to move those research agencies out of Washington, D.C., and the, the administration says it'll be a cost savings, it gets the agencies, you know, out closer to the production, things like that. But there are those critics of that move who say that's because the administration doesn't like the findings of some of these uh, research agencies, so that's why they're making this move to uh, dismantle them or suppress them. And now on top of that, you have uh, the story out today from Politico uh, saying that um, the administration, USDA in particular, has uh, suppressed uh, their own research and findings on climate change. And that controversy is certainly um, going to be one that we will watch as well. And whether those stories, you know, the connection between those two uh, continues to grow. So we'll be watching that as well. Coming up, we're going to talk about the, the dairy industry. Many in agriculture were very appreciative and thankful when USDA made the decision to move up the date for haying and grazing of prevent plant acres this year. Those acres, of course, uh, certainly significant. And um, the dairy industry in particular, this was welcome news for dairy producers, and we'll be talking about that later on in the program as we will look at the, the significance and the importance of having access to those acres uh, sooner this year and we're also going to get an update on the, the dairy margin coverage program the sign up is underway this is looked at as very important uh, for dairy producers certainly a, an option for them in these tough economic times and um, one of several programs available to dairy producers this year so there are some options there have been some questions about them but it looks like a they are providing some help this year that is certainly much needed and improvements over the old mar dairy margin protection program that had a lot of problems uh, in the past. Some of the other stories we're going to be uh, keeping an eye on, of course, uh, ongoing with the weather situation, more damage to infrastructure over the weekend with the, with the flooding in uh, Missouri and some other states, bridges being washed out, uh, roads uh, flooded over again. Uh, we're going to take a look at that tomorrow and just look at the movement of commodities uh, throughout the country, which has been severely impacted by, of course, all the, um, the weather challenges that we continue to have. Also, we take a look at, we talked about this last week, uh, the biodiesel industry is still pushing hard for a tax extenders package, and it took another step forward last week with the introduction of a bill out of the House Ways and Means Committee. But this is critical to the biodiesel industry to get that biodiesel tax credit. It looks like they've taken another step forward, but it will be a while yet before um, anything gets done on that. But this seems to be more momentum than we've had for some time uh, on a tax extenders package. So we'll keep a close watch there. Congress also likely to pass a short-term surface transportation reauthorization in 2020, it's now reported. Uh, despite a head start by the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, uh, they plan to uh, mark up their own measure next month, but it looks like it could be 2020 before we see some action there. All right, so those are some of the big stories as we enter this last week of June. I mentioned the dairy industry, and I want to bring in Peter Vitaliano. He is the chief economist for the National Milk Producers Federation. Peter, thank you for joining us. Uh, first of all, I know the dairy industry was very happy to get the news that the producers will be able to have access to those prevent plant acres September 1 and not wait till November 1. 
That is correct, Mike. Uh, as you know, um, uh, <clears throat> hay and, and feed and forage crops are um, are getting um, getting a little bit scarce and expensive out there because of the the difficulties um, <clears throat> in getting uh, plantings done uh, this spring. And we're hearing anecdotally from our own members that prices are going up and that uh, uh, <clears throat> it's becoming increasingly scarce. And USDA had heard that all across the country, and I think that's what basically uh, led them to make that decision. Meanwhile, sign-up is underway for the Dairy Margin Coverage Program. Uh, big improvements over the uh, MPP program. Uh, what are you hearing? What are you seeing as far as the interest level and sign-up in this program here in the early stages? Well, we're hearing a lot of interest in sign-up, and... Um, we would expect dairy farmers showed last year when the program was, uh, it's been improved in a couple of stages. Uh, at the beginning of last year, as you know, uh, the budget bill uh, significantly lowered the premiums for the coverage under 5 million pounds of production. And farmers went in that one year from basically showing almost no interest in uh, signing up for the program at any of the buy-up levels that required pre- uh, payment of premiums to, I think, over 20,000 producers signed up, uh, many of them at the maximum level. So they're very quick to recognize uh, uh, program improvements and the farm bill at the end of last year and a decision on the alfalfa uh, portion of the cost formula just before the sign-up was announced have made two further improvements in the program. As you know, the farm bill uh, (coughs) raised the... um, the maximum coverage level from eight dollars to nine fifty per hundred weight for the first five million pounds of production. The um, the most recent change administratively was USDA incorporated a blend of the average quality alfalfa throughout the country and the uh, <clears throat> uh, higher levels, premium and supreme grade of it is what we call sort of dairy dairy quality alfalfa into the formula, and that. Um, that change, by my calculations, has basically increased the cost calculation, therefore reducing the margins and therefore increasing the payments by an average of about 23 cents per hundredweight of milk just in the first four months that we've had uh, those announced. So some in- much-needed improvements. This is more of the program you had in mind, right, uh, when the old MPP went into place uh, and Congress made changes to it, to what you wanted and a lot of producers unhappy with it, but uh, these are big steps in the right direction. Yeah, it's been a long slog, but we're, we're getting back to where the, the program should have been. Um, it, was, it was a new program that we came up with, and, uh, uh, you know, you, you never know how it's going to work, but as I say when Congress... Um, initially, you know, basically in, uh, put it together in the farm bill. Uh, it was just, and this is getting back to, as you said, where where we'd really imagined the program in the first in the first place. And we, again, we expect a very large sign up. By my calculations, the um, just in the first four months, if there are no other, if you sign up at nine fifty, and there are no would be made for 950 coverage, which is not the case. Um, we, we we expect several more months of payments. But even if there were no more months after just the first four, um, that would average the payments, the margins would average uh, about 41 cents per hundred weight for the year. And that would result in a payment after a slight reduction for sequestration and taking off the 15 cent per hundred weight uh, premium for that 950 coverage. That would still be a net of 23.3 cents per hundredweight. So any farmer who just goes down to the FSA office and signs up for the program um, pays the $100 fee if they're not already signed up uh, in the program. Uh, just by going and signing up, they will get uh, at least 23, 23 cents uh, per hundredweight uh, net for just that act of signing up, and it'll be, it'll be undoubtedly be higher when the end when the year is done. How long do they have to sign up? I'm not sure. That may have been announced, uh, but I'm not aware of that at this point. Um, but uh, every farmer should have been should have gotten a postcard. Yeah. Every dairy farmer informing them about the program, what their in what their production history is, and uh, the details on the sign up. Right. 
and it's underway now. Dairy Margin Coverage Program. Very good. Peter, thank you for being yep. with us. Appreciate the update. Okay. Peter Vitaliano, Chief Economist for the National Milk Producers Federation, joining us on AOA. Listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful. And sometimes it's not. Cherish the good but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Right now, I want to talk about beef trade. Joining us is Kent Backus, Senior Director of International Trade for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Kent, thanks for joining us. Uh, bring us up to date on where we're at with the European Union. Now, they're going, to, they're going to accept more U.S. beef, right? But what are the details on this? Well, Mike, that's the, that's the big question is, uh, yes, we've seen the plans and we've seen this announcement come out, but this is not implemented, and I think that's important for everyone to remember that we can't uh, start popping champagne bottles just yet because the good news is is that the, the Europeans have agreed to a, a U.S.-specific quota of 35,000 metric tons. But the concern is whether it will actually be implemented and when. So we're very supportive of this step forward. We think it's a, a, it's a nice step forward. It's certainly welcome news but we can't celebrate just yet. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Clean. Wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food. Separate. Use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Cook. You can't tell it's done by how it looks. Always use a food thermometer. Chill. Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean. Separate. Cook. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills. Our math. Our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water, your air, your food, 
You're going to need our organizational skills, our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination, our honesty, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. We're going to talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Matt, thanks for joining us. First of all, how much rain over the weekend in eastern Illinois? Uh, it just depends on where you're at. We actually missed one on Sunday. Uh, first one we missed in quite some time. We actually had had anywhere between 7 inches and 8 inches in the previous week uh, uh, ending there Saturday night. Uh, but I don't know. For us, uh, most of our farms are around two to two and a half inches for the weekend. Uh, there are people not too far from us that had up to four, so definitely plenty of rain. So what's the condition of uh, what's planted in your area? How does it look? Well, to be honest with you, before we had this seven inches over the last week, things looked pretty good, and I would have said we probably looked as good as a lot of people. Um, you know, I'd say maybe uh, one of the better areas uh, but at this point, it doesn't uh, look all that great, of course. we definitely going to have some issues, uh, a lot of uh, nitrogen issues, uh, ponding. Uh, it's just uh, pretty frustrating. So uh, we had pretty good stands for the most part. We had to do some replanting, some, uh, some spotting in. But uh, I would say that uh, you know, our good to excellent isn't anywhere, anywhere close to what it was 10 days ago. And numbers today from USDA, uh pretty much discounted already as being out of date yeah i think so i think you know a lot's changed in the last 72 hours you know i mean the storm system dumped a ton of rain uh over a pretty good chunk of the midwest and so uh in the areas that uh were uh blessed so to speak with this uh with this storm system uh you know uh, definitely caused some issues and uh you know conditions are, are going to probably uh, not be helped by any stretch of the imagination we know that uh, rain makes rain but this year it's uh, uh rain is uh, definitely uh, causing more issues than what it is helping matt here we are the last week of june and it seems like uh we just do not have a handle on the amount of acres that uh, aren't planted and certainly don't have a handle on uh, really any good estimates probably at this point though what the yields will be on what has been planted yeah, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, there's no question that uh, uh, we, we we need to get a really good handle on, you know, what is it that we're looking at on acreage? You know, the planted acreage report later this week, most people realize that it might be a little bit out of date. Uh, whenever we look at uh, yield, though, I think that's where your uh, that's where your real wild card is. Uh, I've been trying to tell people that whenever you damage a corn crop early on. Uh, uh, problem is, if the weather gets better from there, you just uh, you just are not going to be able to uh, essentially make a corn crop better once it's been damaged. And so, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess I'm pretty concerned with what the long-term yield implications are, and uh, to say that uh, we're, we have issues uh, uh, that could end up uh, rearing their head for several months, I think would be pretty accurate. What are your thoughts on the corn market now? How the market's reacting to this, and where do you see it going? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think that right now, you know, the last uh, last week, you know, we lost a dime on the corn market. Uh, you know, while beans were able to uh, to gain just a little bit, I think the corn market's taking a bit of a breather. Uh, you know, you got to feed the bull every day. Old uh, old saying, you know, probably rings true. Uh, you know, but I think there's a lot of folks that are taking a look at this crop and saying, you know, I don't know that I want to be short. Uh, over the long haul, uh, because there's just uh, the potential that, uh, first of all, I mean, we've got to get this crop mature. Uh, we're not accumulating growing degree days worth of darn. Now, we know that this uh, weather's going to get warm for us here coming up in the next uh, week to 10 days. Things look pretty good, but shoot, Mike, we can't take, uh, we 
can't take the heat unless we get a, a rainfall, uh, a rain shower here and there. Uh, yes, we need to dry up right now, but uh, with the compaction issues that we've seen, uh, you know, the spring has not been one that would allow us to be able to have an extended period of uh, hot and dry uh, without uh, significant yield losses. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of challenges for this corn crop at this point. And challenges in trying to figure out how to market it. Yeah, it's, it's tough, and so my, my thing as far as marketing goes is I want to stay flexible, uh, but our team with Ag Market, you know, we've been telling folks we want to have a floor underneath ourselves and let the upside run. Uh, you know, I've had people tell me before, uh, last time they bought a put, you know, it didn't materialize, uh, it expired worthless. Well, you know, most of the times a put expires worthless, you're pretty happy because typically we put those underneath the markets. So the markets either stay sideways or gone higher, so... Um, you know, I think we have to have a floor under us just in case uh, things might turn around. But at the same time, I sure don't want to be uh, locking in too much production uh, price levels that could end up be, uh, looking fairly cheap later in the year, especially if you would end up with an early frost or just can't uh, get the growing degree days to get this crop mature. I want to talk about the wheat market. Uh, you know, some key areas like Kansas got hit over the weekend with heavy rain and, and uh, with hail, so... Wow, the hits keep on coming for those folks, and uh, that's going to make that pretty challenging, too. What do you see with this wheat market? Well, you know, the wheat market's a tough one. You know, there's no question that uh, the wheat crop is, is, has had a lot of challenges as well, especially whenever you're getting close to harvest time in a lot of areas. You, you can't take that kind of rainfall and think that it's going to do any good whatsoever to your crop. Uh, but at the same time, I always struggle to get terribly bullish wheat. You know, the dynamics are different than what they are in the corn market. Whether you're talking U.S. carryout or world carryout, there's no question that the wheat uh, always has had uh, significantly more room, uh, so to speak. Uh, so I don't know that I want to get terribly bullish at this time, but, boy, it's awfully hard to get bearish, too. So I think that, uh, you know, if I was trying to market some of my wheat, I would also – uh, be very flexible. Uh, the thing that scares me a little bit for some of these guys is that uh, this weather pattern looks to, to dry up, uh, you know, but, you know, what kind of a disease problems are you going to have? What kind of issues are you going to have getting rid of it? Uh, i got to stay really flexible in my marketing plan for wheat as well. All right, Matt, thanks for the update and your thoughts. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. Take care. Matt Bennett with Ag Market. Well, coming up tomorrow, we will talk with the uh, CEO of the Kansas Wheat Growers and get an assessment of the damage done to their wheat crop over the weekend. Of course, we'll keep a close watch uh, on the trade talks this week. So stay with us. Tune in again tomorrow. Hope you'll be with us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.